Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this divine appointment, opportunity, privilege that we have to encounter you, to grow, to learn, to apply what we're learning for your glory. We pray that you will lead us in this process. We come with great expectations. Grant us revelation. In Jesus' name, amen. The founder and CEO of Netflix said that Netflix competes with sleep. Now, believe it or not, that is not an exaggeration. Because when Netflix produces a hit show, people stay up all night binge-watching it. Now, Netflix knows something about human nature and human beings. That's how it has become so successful. And the thing that Netflix knows about human beings is that human beings love drama. Human beings love to watch drama. But it's a whole nother story when we are in drama. We love to watch drama, but when we are the ones in the drama, it's a totally different situation. Now, Netflix is not the only one that produces drama in the world. Believe it or not, the number one producer of drama in the world is not Netflix. Sony, Miramax, or anyone else from Hollywood, it is me and you. We are the number one producers of drama in the world. There are three types of drama that happens and that every single human being experiences in their lives. The first type of drama is self-directed drama. This is the drama that happens because you got in the director's seat and said, action! There is some drama that you're going to experience in your life, not because someone else is directing it, but because you are in the director's seat and you are directing the drama. That's called self-directed drama. And then there's the second type of drama, which is people-directed drama. There is some drama that you're going to experience in your life because the people around you have brought that drama to you. Can I give you an example, biblical example? <laughs> can, I bring, can I give you a biblical example? All right, so Jonah was in a boat, and while he was in a boat with other people, they started to experience drama while they were in the boat together. And Jonah said, hey guys, um, I know why we are in this drama. The reason why we're experiencing this drama is because of me. Just throw me out the boat, you guys are going to stop experiencing the drama. They threw him out of the boat, and suddenly there was a calm. There was a calm. 
I, I don't want to put any practical applications to this, but I just want you to know that if you throw some people out of your life, you will start experiencing some calm. <laughs> there's some drama that comes just because there's some people in your life that bring the drama to you. Now, and then there's a third type of drama, and this is the drama that I would say is probably the most controversial. And this is the drama that people don't like to talk about. And this drama is called God-directed drama. There is some drama that's going to come into your life, and it's not because you directed it or people directed it. It's because God is in the director's seat, and He is directing this drama in your life. Philosophers have a problem with an all-powerful God, an all-loving God, allowing drama in the world. They call it the, the problem of evil. And, and they say that there's no way that God can be all-loving and all-powerful and allow drama in the world. But if you read from Genesis to Revelation, you understand that God is all-powerful and all-loving and not only allows drama to happen in the world, but in many cases, He is in the director's seat. He is directing the drama to happen. Which brings us to Genesis chapter 16. Genesis 16. Last time I was with you, we were in Genesis 15. At the beginning of Genesis 15, we saw that Abraham was directed by fear. And in the process of Genesis 15, we saw God switching directors in Abraham's life, from him being directed by fear to him becoming directed by faith. It happens in one chapter in a few verses. Abram moves from being directed by fear to be, being directed by faith. Abraham moves from being a person that's saying, you have given me no children, to being a person that, that says, the Bible says, Abram believed in the Lord. That was the first time in the entire Bible where that word believe shows up. And, and that word believe means in Hebrew, Amen. That word belief in Hebrew is amen. The word amen is the Hebrew word for believe. And he's the first person in the entire Bible in which that word is associated to him. Abram believed in the Lord. So in Genesis 15, God leads Abram from being directed by fear to being directed by faith. All right. So Abram is directed by faith. How long is he going to keep this up? Let's go to Genesis 16. Let's go to Genesis 16. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. Now that's drama. That is drama. Whether you're living in our times or the times back then, that is drama. When you're married and you want to have children, you want to have babies, and you're unable to have babies, that is drama. It is drama back in now, nowadays even more at that time. Even more at that time when your inheritance, your heir is such a big deal. Way more. In the time that we're living in now, there's many couples that choose voluntarily not to have kids. That would be unheard of in that era. 
in that era, having a child is one of the biggest things in the world. You could have all the money in the world. You can be, you can be completely famous. But if you did not have children, it's as if you didn't have anything in the world's perspective. And here it is. The Bible says in Genesis 16, now Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. That is drama. How is Sarai going to respond to this? Look what it says. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. Verses 2. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold now, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Sarai is saying, the drama that I'm experiencing right now is directed by God. And as Sarai says that, she is theologically correct. Read throughout the entire Bible, and you will see that. Sarai says, the Lord, not nature, not happenstance, not coincidence, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. How does this apply to me and you? There are some things that God will prevent from happening in your life. It's not your boss, it's not your mom, it's not nature, it's not nurture, it is the Lord. He's in the director's seat and he's preventing that. Something you really want, you want it to happen, and God says, I'm preventing this from happening. And Sarah is so theologically profound that she makes a profound theological statement about the providence of God. And she says, she chooses to explain the drama in her life in the context of theology, not in the context of nature, science, in the context of biology, in the context of theology. She says, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Now, it's one thing to understand that your blessings come from God. That's also theologically profound because not everybody acknowledges that their blessings come from God. If you listen to a lot of um, uh, uh, famous business leaders, they often describe their blessings as luck. They say, I was lucky. They say the stars aligned. They, they, Talk about the blessings, the circumstances that happened in their lives that were outside of their circumstances, outside of the control, and they give glory to luck. They say, I was very lucky. They say, the, 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 the stars aligned. That's not true. You were not lucky. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Lord. That's what James says. That's what the scripture says. The Bible says in John 3 verse 27, a man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. That's what the Bible says. Every single good thing that has happened in your life has happened because God has willed it to happen. God has willed it to happen. God has willed it to happen. Now, the first theologian to state that, that every good and perfect gift comes from the Lord, that blessings come from God, the first theologian to state that 
was a theologian by the name of Eve. In Genesis chapter 4, Eve says this. Genesis chapter 4 verses 1 said, Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man from the Lord. The ESV says, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. She didn't say, I got pregnant. Oh, she didn't say, we're pregnant. She said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. This pregnancy that I've gotten is from God. At the end of the same chapter in Genesis 4, she says the exact same thing. Verse 25, and Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth. For she said, God has appointed me another offspring instead of Abel, for Cain killed him. So the first theologian to acknowledge the blessings come from God is Eve. But now we see in Genesis um, chapter 16 that Eve, that Sarah is going to go to a new level of theology. She's not just saying that good things come from God. She's saying even drama comes from God. That's theologically profound. She said, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. The Lord has prevented me from bearing children. That is theologically profound. Now let's see her application. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. Oh my goodness. How can her theology be so profound and her application be so messed up? How can her theology be so God-centered and her application be so self-centered? How can her theology be so deep and her application be so superficial? Mm, 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 mm. Now the reality is, is that you can have deep theology and dumb application of that theology. The reality is you can have very deep and profound theology, but the way that you apply that theology in your life can be very, very dangerous. The reality is you can have deep and profound theology about God and yet have some really dumb ideas on how to apply that theology in your life. And that's where we see Sarai at. She has deep and profound theology and yet really, really dumb application. But the question is why? How can she have deep theology and dumb application? How can she have deep theology about God and have it 
application that's totally messed up. When you look at the situation, you see that Sarai understood the what of God's providence, but not the why of God's providence. Sarah understood that God was sovereign, in control. Sarah understood that God was a director of her drama. She understood that, but she did not understand the why. She did not understand why God was preventing her from bearing children. She did not understand the purpose of God in the drama that she was in. She did not understand the plan of God according to the drama that he was producing in her life. She understood the what of God, the what of God's providence, but not the why. The question is, do you understand the why of the drama that God's producing in your life? Do you understand the why? Do you understand the why? Not, 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 not the why is very, very clear in the Bible. One is that God's actions are all about God's glory. Exhibit A, the Bible says in Isaiah that God has created us for His glory. So God's why, even His creation, is about the glory of God. God's comeback story or the drama that He produces in our lives, that drama that He produces in our lives is also about the glory of God. The drama, the comeback story. Obviously, there's no comeback story. There's no comeback story without drama, right? So the drama in our comeback story, that drama is to glorify God. Exhibit A is Exodus 10, verse 1 and 2. God tells Moses, I have hardened the heart of Pharaoh. I have hardened the heart of Pharaoh. Why? It's because when I do this deliverance, you're going to tell this deliverance to your children, to your grandchildren. God's directing drama in your life is so that you can glorify Him. It's so that your story will glorify God. So God's going to get the glory in the comeback story. He understood the what? Not the why. And, and it's, here's the why. The why is also not just glory. The why is also relationship. The entire Bible is about relationship with God. And there are two main ingredients for any healthy relationship. And that is love and trust. Love and trust. And God has created us to have a trust in His love. Even, now it's, obviously it's easy to trust when the blessings are falling down, but it's another thing to trust when there is drama that God is directing. And God has created us to have a love and trust relationship with Him. Not just in good times, but in the drama. In the drama that He directs in our lives. Because that drama is going to be for His glory. So God is indeed directing the drama. 
and he's going to direct the drama to such an extent that he's going to wait for Sarah to reach 90 and Abraham to reach 100 and for the baby, the promised child to come. And when that promised child to come, they're going to laugh and they're going to give glory to God because they're going to know that what has just happened wasn't by their might, but it was all by God's strength. So here's the why, the journey. The journey is God wants to take you in that drama from self-reliance to God-reliance. God wants to take you on a journey in the drama in your life that you're going to get to that point when you realize it's all about Him. All about Him. This is the why in the drama that God directs, but she missed that. She understood the what? She did not understand the why. So she tells Abram, Behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. That's her idea. I wonder what Abram is going to say. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. <clears throat> Abram said, yes, babe. Whatever you say, babe. Happy wife, happy life. Now, Abram is not the first to do this now. You have to go back all the way to Genesis chapter 3. Sarah, um, um, Eve eats of the fruit. After she eats of the fruit, she gives of the fruit to Adam, and Adam doesn't ask any questions. Adam just says, yes, babe. And starting all the way from Genesis chapter 3, going to Genesis chapter 16, you see men who are not stepping up into the role that God has called them to be. The, the role of reflecting Christ in marriage. That's the purpose of marriage. Husbands love your wives as Christ has loved the church. That's the purpose of marriage. And all throughout Genesis, God keeps on giving opportunities to man to step up to reflect God in the context of marriage. And you keep on seeing man step down. Step down. Step down. Instead of stepping up, Abram stepped down. Instead of stepping up into the calling to reflect Christ in the context of marriage, he steps down and says, Yes, babe. Whatever you say, babe. For peace in the home, of course. For peace in the home, of course. But when he does that, instead of that leading to peace in the home, it brings drama. Drama. Not God-directed drama, but self-directed drama and people-directed drama. Now, this is going to be really interesting. 
Look what's going to happen here. So Abram, verse 3, had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan. Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. And Sarah said to Abram, May the wrong done to me be on you. I gave my servant to your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between me and you. Before I go any further, so they're already in drama. This is drama that's directed by God. Sarai has a profound theological understanding, but it's only related to the what, not the why. Since she does not understand the why, she starts to think that she can fix the drama in her life in her own terms. So she gets into the director's seat. Mm. Some of the times in our life, the most common times in our lives that we are tempted to get into the director's seat is when we are unhappy with the drama that God is directing in our lives. And we think we can do a better job in directing our, the drama. So that's what Sarah did. She took the director's seat and said, I have a solution. Go into my maid. This is going to be the solution to the drama we are in. Do you know how much drama people experience in their lives because they're trying to do what only God can do? Do you know how much drama people experience in their lives because they're trying to fix a situation that God has not yet said it is time for this situation to be fixed? So she gets into the director's seat and she tries to fix the drama she's in. And instead of fixing the drama, she produces new drama that did not exist before. She directs new drama that she did not exist before. So she's now in the director's seat, and Abram is not a co-director. Abram is one of the actors because she said to him, go and do X, Y, and Z. And Abram said, yes, ma'am. He's just an actor in the production that she's directing. He is following her direction, and he goes into following her lead. Hagar gets pregnant. Hagar now looks with contempt on her, and guess what happens? Sarai now has a co-director in the drama. <laughs> co-director. The reality is whenever you start to play the director in your life, do not assume that you're going to be directing it by yourself. You will always get a co-director. You will always get a co-director. You cannot direct drama in your life by yourself. You're going to get a co-director. And Sarai got her co-director, Hagar. Hagar. And now the drama that Sarai is experiencing is not just the drama of being unable to have children, now she's experiencing drama that's emotional, relational, 
new levels of drama that she never experienced before. And she brings that drama to her husband. And let's see what her husband is going to say. Let's see what her husband is going to say. But Abram said to Sarai, Behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you please. Then Sarai dealt harshly with her, and she fled from her. Mm. Mm. Abram got his second opportunity. He got his second opportunity to reflect Christ in the context of marriage to step up to his role. And instead of doing that, he stepped down and said, do whatever you please. Transla- translation, whatever you say, babe. Whatever you say, babe. Happy wife, happy life. Now, it's so crazy because the first time this situation happened, He said, whatever you say, babe, and it did not lead to happy wife, happy life. It did not lead to that. Instead, it led to new forms of drama that they had not experienced before. And now he has the exact same answer to her situation. He says, happy wife, happy life. Do whatever you please. Do whatever. Abram gets an opportunity to reflect the glory of God in the context of marriage, and he steps down. He steps down. He steps down. And Sarai, now she is not only the director, she is now herself being directed, and she's not being directed by God. She is directed by resentment. She is directed by hatred, and she deals harshly with her co-director. She deals harshly with Hagar. And Hagar flees. Verse 7, the angel of the Lord found her by the spring of water. This is Hagar, found Hagar. By the spring of water in the wilderness, the spring of the water to sure. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come? And where are you going? Side note, um, God doesn't ask a question that he doesn't already know the answer. So God already knows the answer to the question. But God asks questions that he already knows the answers to because he wants us to keep it real with him. So God is asking her a question that God already knows the answer to because God wants Hagar to keep it real with God. And she says this, I am fleeing from my mistress, Sarai. She keeps it real with God. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. Translation, return to your mistress and stop co-directing the drama with her. Return to your mistress and stop being the co-director in the drama that you've been playing. Return to your mistress and submit to her. 
The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for the, for the multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are pregnant and shall bear a son, and you shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has listened to your affliction. He shall be a wild donkey of a man. Now, I was teaching on this chapter not too long ago. I was teaching on this chapter not too long, not too long ago in a small group of people. And I read this passage that says, um, where the Bible says, he shall be a wild donkey of a man. And uh, one of the people in the small group that I was teaching, he said, I wonder if that's where people start to use the word, he's an, you know, of a man. And uh, I was like, maybe, I never realized that. Because <laughs> uh, the other form of the word donkey is, you guys know what that word is. And so the person asked, is that where they started to use that term to describe people? <laughs> and, well, in the Bible, this is the first time the Bible describes some, somebody a donkey of a man. And it's right here. He shall be a wild donkey of a man. And his, and his hand shall be against everyone, and everyone's hand against him. And he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. You guys see what's happening here? She's going to bear a child, and the child that she's going to bear is going to have a lot of drama in his life that's self-directed. She's going to bear a child, and the Bible says this child that you're going to bear is going to have a lot of drama in his life. A lot of drama in his life. A lot of drama that he's directing and people directing, which means you can't miss this because it's so profound. The child is born in drama, and God is prophesying that this child is going to be very drama-directed, drama-focused, which means the Bible is trying to tell me and you that when we produce drama and when we direct drama it does not just affect us it affects the next generation it does not just stop with us it 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 continue it continues on it becomes generational drama it becomes generational it doesn't just stop with us it continues on to the next generation and we see a child that the bible is saying is going to be Drama directed. I mean, he's going to be really into drama, into directing drama and being co-directors in other people's drama and people being co-directors in his drama. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, You are God of seeing. For she said, Surely here I have seen him who looks after me. Therefore, the well was called Beher Lahor. It lies between Kadesh and Bered. And Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram called the name of his son Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. That's the entire chapter of Genesis 16. Now, how does this apply to me and you? How does it apply to me and you? We can have 
profound theology and yet superficial application. And when we have profound theology and superficial application, we're going to start directing drama that was never meant to be produced. Directing drama that was never meant to be seen. Directing drama that has generational impact, not just on us, but on generations to come. And God wants us to avoid that. It's one thing to have drama that's directed by God. And every single one of us has that type of drama. It's another thing for us to get into the director's seat and direct drama that, has never, that was never meant to be produced or directed. Second, in understanding and having a, the, a profound theology about God directing drama, it's very important to understand that all things, which includes the drama that we experience, is under the authority, the plan, and the purpose of God. If we're going to have a profound theology about the drama that God directs in our lives, we have to understand that all things, all things, not just your redemption, not just your salvation, not just your sanctification, but the drama in your life, all things, whatever that drama is, relational, emotional, physical, whatever it is, all things are under the authority the plan and the purpose of God. When you understand that, that has a profound and deep impact on your life. A profound and profound deep impact on your life. What that means is when you are going through drama in your life, you can be grateful in all things. Because you understand what Romans 8.28 says, and we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. So when we understand that, we can go to 1 Thessalonians when he says, in everything, give thanks. In everything. Not just in the blessings coming down, but even in the things that God prevents, even in the drama that God produced. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. When we have a profound understanding on the theology of God-directed drama, we can be grateful in all things, in all things including in the drama that God directs in our lives. Second, when we understand that all things are under the authority, the plan and the purpose of God, we can be at peace and peaceful in all things. Not just grateful, but peaceful in all things. Isaiah 26, verses 3, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Not just trust in the what, but you trust in the why. Not just you trust that God is providential, but you trust why he's providential. And when you do that, you can be at peace in all things. In all things, 
going back to Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. That's your landing scripture for being grateful in all things and peaceful in all things. And when you get to that level, you can give glory to God in all things. You can give glory to God. <laughs> in all things, you can give glory. Woo! In all things, you can give glory. Oh, can I give an application? Can I give an application to that? Let me give you an application. We came, my family, we came to the United States. And God just blessed our family. I came when I was very young. God blessed our family. I, it's a whole testimony about how we, how we got here. And then we're sitting as a family. And my dad tells us as a family that God has brought us to the United States. And he said, God has brought us here as missionaries. That's what he said. And here I was, nine years old, and I was listening to him. And I believed every single word that he was saying, that God brought us here. And by the way, we came here because we were escaping drama in our native land. And that's a whole another testimony. But he says, God has brought us to the United States. And, and God provided miraculously. God gave a scholarship uh, for my dad, miraculously, to go to a school called Loma Linda University. And amazing provision. After he graduated from there, he was already a medical doctor in Africa, and he got his master's of public health there. After he got his master's of public health there, he became a professor there, an assistant professor there. And he's, he was just comfortable being an assistant professor in that place. And God decided that he was going to direct drama in the situation. So the dean there spoke to my dad and said, the chair of the department does not want your contract to be renewed. My dad said, God brought me here. If it is time for me to go, I will go. If it is not time for me to go, nobody can take me out of here. And it was time for him to go. The drama that the chair of the department was producing, it wasn't just her. It was God. God was sovereign over that drama. And his contract wasn't renewed. So he goes into the, his office and he is cleaning up the office, praising God. Praise, I mean, he's about to enter into unemployment with four children and a wife, and he is praising God. He is praising God, singing songs of worship while cleaning up his office. And one of the professors who knew what's happening, he, comes, he, he came to, to him and said, Dr. Zakira, what's going on? And my dad said, I know the Bible says, all things work together for the good of those who love God. And I love God. 
<laughs> so he cleaned up his office, and the other department heard about what happened and said, Dr. Zakira, we heard about what happened. Why don't you come to our department? And he's like, okay, cool. So he goes into their department, but, he, but then they said, but you know, you're not really specialized in our department in epidemiology. So they gave him a scholarship to get his doctorate in public health. So then he gets his doctorate in public health, and by the time he graduates, he gets this nice situation where, he has, where he's both an MD and a doctorate in public health, and he gets promoted to become an associate professor. And from being promoted to an associate professor, he got another job, uh, a new job at San Diego State University, where he would become the director at San Diego State University and a full tenured professor at San Diego State University. And then from there, God blessed him to go to Old Dominion University, where he would become the chair there. And from there, God blessed him again to go to Andrews University, where he became the dean at Andrews University. On the flip side of that story, while he's going into this promotion, the chair of the department, the chair of the department, all the professors in that department wrote a letter. The professors in that department wrote a letter, and they gave it to the dean. And they said, we know what she did to Dr. Skira, and we have signed this letter with our names, and we're giving you an ultimatum. Either she resigns or we are going to resign. So the dean gave her that letter. She resigned from being a chair of the department, but she was still working there. And not too long later, they were having um, a guest. That current dean that was there was going to leave to go somewhere else, and they were, gonna, they were interviewing uh, potential dean uh, guests. And as they were interviewing potential deans, she was given a tour to one of the uh, potential deans. And as she was giving a tour to that potential dean candidate, she made a racist comment to him that she did not think he would find offensive. And when he heard what she said, he contacted the school and said, take my name out. I do not want to be considered as a dean at your institution, that you guys have someone like this working at your university saying these kinds of things. When the school found out what she said, they fired her altogether. So she went from being the chair of the department to unemployment. And he went from the drama of unemployment to rising to becoming the dean, academic dean at Andrews University. And in that entire time, it was trusting that even when drama is happening, I'm not going to focus on people and I'm not going to be co-director with those people in the drama. I am going to trust that the drama that I'm experiencing is under the authority of God, under the plan of God, and under the purpose of God. And in this drama, God is going to be glorified. God is going to be glorified. 
and the encouragement that I have for Risen Hope today is God wants to be glorified in the drama that he's producing in your life. The encouragement I have for Risen Hope today is that God wants to be glorified in your comeback story. But the question is, are we going to have not just a deep theological understanding of the what, but are we going to have a deep and, the- and theological understanding of the why? That our drama is for God's glory and the deep and growing relationship with Him through love and trust. God, we are telling, we are, ex- we are extolling you. We are magnifying you. We are giving you the glory in our story. We are saying you are God. You are God and we are not. So we're going to trust you in everything. We are going to trust you with all things. Knowing you work all things for the good of those who love you. Knowing the things that we're experiencing are for your glory. So be glorified in our lives. Be magnified in our lives to the glory of your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.